we're at a point where the European uh, startup scene, tech scene, has really turned a corner. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a very exciting time. I, you know, personally, I think you know Spotify, as an example, was just really a watershed moment for um, you know for the European tech scene. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, a podcast that brings you insights and tactics from the greatest SaaS minds across the world. The show is brought to you by SaaStock, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11, returning to Dublin in October 15th to the 17th, 2018. On this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, I talk with Alex Ferrara, partner at Bessemer Venture Partners, about the art and science of building global companies. Alex has spent the last 13 years working in Bessemer, a firm that has been investing for over 100 years. In his time at the company, Alex has been involved in the deals with the likes of Shopify, Wix, and Pipedrive. As a VC firm, Bessemer has over 100 SaaS investments. Throughout the experience, Alex has seen what constitutes a global company and how it makes decisions about when and where of scaling. That's given him an uncanny view of what makes companies successful when they cross borders, oceans, and continents in any direction. Listen on to here. What are the features of truly global companies? A lot of the global SaaS companies uh, we've, we've, we've invested in, uh, they also do a very good job of localizing the product and localizing the marketing function and customer support. It's really this balance of kind of providing a, the lowest common denominator product offering for this global market and figuring out that product market fit that really resonates with that with a, with a large global base. The trouble with moving to the U.S. too late. They end up building a, a sales force in uh, a city, let's say, like London. And by the time they're, call it, 5 million of ARR, maybe you know 80% of their revenue is coming from a local, uh, the local European market. They might have 20 or 25% coming from the U.S. And if they're growing quickly, it then becomes very difficult for them to you know, move to the U.S. at that stage uh, and maintain the growth. When does it make sense for U.S. companies to open offices overseas? I, I am seeing a trend where more of our, uh, in particular, our enterprise uh, SaaS companies, when they get to around maybe 25 or 35 million of, uh, of ARR, are starting to think uh, more actively about expanding to Europe. If you look at some of the public filings, like we were looking at the WIC public filings, um, you know, when they went public, I think, you know, maybe 50% of their business was, uh, sorry, 70% of their business was the U.S., and now it's only like 50, 55%. Sastop will be crossing the ocean for the first time on June the 20th with an event in Alex Ferrara's native New York. Beyond hosting a panel on building a New York state of mind with Ben Heinemann, CEO of Splash, Toma Tagrin, CEO of Yopo, and Alexis Lecoq, CTO of Datadog. We'll also host David Skoke, Managing Partner at Matrix Partners, Seth Besmertnik, CEO of Conductor, which was recently acquired by WeWork, and Howard Lerman, CEO at Yext, uh, one of the uh, only SaaS IPOs from New York, amongst others. Join them and 400 SaaS leaders that we are gathering. Find more info and tickets on sasdoc.com forward slash on tour forward slash city forward slash New York. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, Alex Ferrara, partner at Bessemer Venture Partners. Great. Thanks very much, Alex. 
No, great to have you. Uh, yeah, great to have you on the show uh, for the first time, Alex. Obviously, we had you speak at uh, Sastock 16 uh, way yep. back in uh, September 2016, so so far ago. And uh, yeah. uh, actually, I, I bumped into you in, uh, in Lisbon at Web Summit last year, I think, right? We had That's a nice, right. uh, there was a nice party thrown by Pipe Drive, uh, some great cocktails on offer that evening. It was good. Good, good few days. Lisbon's a great, that was my first time in Lisbon. It's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing city. Yeah, very good. Uh, as is uh, as is Dublin, but Lisbon has the better weather. Um, uh, but um, so, uh, um, Alex, I, I know that. Uh, well, you know, you you work for Bessemer. You're a partner. Um, obviously, you, you know, you've spoken at one of our conferences before. But for those that perhaps haven't heard of you, haven't heard of Bessemer Venture Partners, if they're you know been living under uh, a rock, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and and, and who Bess uh, who Bessemer is. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Alex Ferrara, I'm a partner. I'm based out of the New York office for uh, for Bessemer Venture Partners. Uh, I joined Bessemer in 2005, so it's been about uh, 13 years. Uh, I was a, uh, a software engineer. I was a double E background and a software engineer for many years prior to, to joining BVP. Um, and then when I joined, um, actually thought I'd join for just a couple of years and then go jump into a startup or, or go start something. And, you know, 13 years later, I'm still, you know, still here, still doing this. And it's been a, been a good run. Uh, we are, uh, one of the longest standing venture firms in the U S. Uh, we're more than a hundred years old. Uh, we have about four or five billion of capital under management. We're currently investing from a $1.6 billion fund. Our main office is in San Francisco, but also have offices in Redwood City, uh, New York, Boston, India, and Israel, and have about uh, 45 investment professionals and uh, 15 partners across the firm. Do a lot of investing in uh, enterprise SaaS, small business software, and then a good amount in uh, consumer internet as well over the years. Very cool. And um, who are, let's say, some of the the well-known um, companies within Bessemer's portfolio and some of those that, that you look after that, that we would know and perhaps even don't know? Mention. Sure. Yeah, so um, so we were, um, you know, the on the consumer internet side, uh, we were fortunate to be uh, one of the early investors in Skype many years ago. Uh, we led the Series A at Yelp. Uh, we were early in LinkedIn, uh, Series A at Pinterest, uh, also Twitch. Um, uh, companies like Blue Apron, and then um, I was involved. I led our Series A in Shopify, uh, an e-commerce infrastructure software business. Uh, you know, back in 2010 or so, um, I was also part of the team that invested in Wix um, and then also PipeDrive. So I've done a lot in SMB software, uh, as well as a German company called TeamViewer, which uh, was uh, was remote access software. Uh, and then on the on the enterprise side, uh, we were uh, we are investors in Twilio, uh, SendGrid, uh, which just went public in the last year. Uh, we have a small investment in DocuSign, which also recently went public. Um, and then a range of others, Cornerstone on Demand and Box and, uh, you know, and, and, and a, a good number of others. We have more than 100 uh, SaaS and cloud portfolio companies and, and more than about 150 total portfolio companies at this point. Very cool. And, and I think like all, all of those companies that you mentioned are, are really, you know, global uh, companies, um, you know, great success stories. And so I thought it pertinent um, to really kind of like discuss uh, the, uh, the the global elements and and you know internationalization um, you know how uh, SaaS startups you know can grow and when they're looking at you know sort of moving abroad you know what are the key elements that they need to think of to come uh, to become truly global um, sound good to you yeah yeah sounds great 
Awesome. So, like, I, I mean, this this is quite, a, I guess, a big, maybe broad question uh, to kick us off with. Um, but, you know, what do you think are, are really the, the, the key features of uh, a truly global SaaS company? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess, you know, clearly having a global customer base is, is, is a big part of it. But I think also a lot of the global SaaS companies uh, we've, we've, we've invested in, uh, they also do a very good job of localizing the product and localizing the marketing function and customer support. So um, it's really this balance of kind of providing a, the lowest common denominator product offering for this global market and figuring out that product market fit that really resonates with that with a with a large global base, uh, but then being able to uh, provide that level of localization that can really reduce friction for for customers in in each of these you know different local markets. Um, I think those are you know two of the things I've I've observed. Okay, very cool. Um, and uh, uh, well, on June the twentieth, we are uh, holding our first uh, ever uh, SaaS stock event in the US. Uh, I'm super excited uh, uh, for that uh, in New York. Yeah. Uh, and um, you, you know, some of the topics. Well, actually, if you look at the speaker lineup, um, you, you know, we've got uh, a lot of companies uh, that that are really truly international, you know, in, in flavor. And we've seen there's a lot of European companies like, you know, uh, Datadog, uh, you know, for, uh, for instance, that have, you know, scaled, you know, in Europe and then, you, you know, um, I guess kind of got to that initial point where they've opened up their US offices, they've chosen the East Coast, right? Uh, we, we'll be talking with, uh, I think, you know, Ben Heinemann at Splash, Toma mm-hmm. uh, Tagrin from Yotpo, uh, the third panelist escapes me. I think it's actually the CTO of Datadog. Uh, Alexis yeah. uh, as well about you know crossing the Atlantic and it, it's one of those certainly from a European founders uh, perspective like one of the most interesting topics for them to know when to move to the US and you know, how to do it and we actually cover it a lot in in SaaS content you know what 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 is your uh, view of um, you, you know European companies when moving to the US you know when they need to do it you know how they need to do it to truly do it you, you know sort of right. Uh, or do they need to do yeah. it at all? Yeah, it's a, I think that's a great, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think within SaaS businesses, um, I think I broadly, you know, tend to bucket them into two different types of, of models. Uh, the first are companies that that are more sales driven in their uh, go to market and, and customer ac- acquisition activities. So. Uh, that's kind of the first. And the second are the companies that are more marketing driven, uh, where they, they often don't need field sales or if they do have uh, inside sales. It's often something that's kind of built out later in the company's uh, life cycle. Um, and, uh, and I think the answer to that question, you know, from my perspective, differs depending on whether you're in the first bucket or the second. Um, for companies that are uh, more uh, sales driven models where they, they need a field sales organization, I actually think moving to the U.S. very early uh, is is often a, a big benefit because um, I think you know the U.S. is is the biggest market um, in in most cases. Um, it's the furthest along in terms of um, internet penetration, in terms of the number of businesses that are online and adopting SaaS software. I think Europe's catching up, but um, but you know because of that, uh, you know getting into the market early you know is important. And, and one of the things I, I often see if companies don't do that is they. They end up building a, a sales force in uh, a city, let's say, like London, and by the time they're call it five million of ARR, maybe you know eighty percent of their revenue is coming from a local, uh, the local European market. They might have twenty or twenty-five percent coming from the U.S. 
And if they're growing quickly, it then becomes very difficult for them to you know, move to the U.S. at that stage uh, and maintain the growth because, you know, you, you introduce so much, you know, it's, it's hard enough to build a company, you know, period. Uh, then, you know, if you're building a company on, on two continents, kind of, you know, this, this fighting this hand-to-hand combat on two continents, I think, you know, the, the challenges of managing that and scaling that in parallel uh, are, you know, just much more complex. And invariably what we see happening is the, maybe the U.S. market at that scale will start to grow more quickly, but the, uh, the European market will suffer and the overall business growth will slow. And that can be, can make it really challenging for, uh, for raising capital or for recruiting and, you know, and so forth. So I do think, you know, I think getting to the U.S. early, uh, when you've got more of that sales driven model makes sense. Uh, when it comes to more of the marketing driven models, and I, I think about companies like a Shopify or a Wix or a Pipedrive, um, I actually think in, in many of those cases, you know, I've often encouraged the, you know, the, the CEO and the companies to, to, to stay in their local market. Um, you know, Shopify, uh, is based in Ottawa, Canada. And, you know, they, that, that was their headquarters when they started. That's their, their, their headquarters today. They've built a, a massive, uh, team in, in that market and they've expanded to other locations. But, you know, they, they've been able to take advantage of, um, of, a really deep talent pool there, very loyal employees. Uh, there wasn't a lot of competition with other, with other uh, tech startups, um, you know, and, and, you know, unlike you know, Silicon Valley or, or San Francisco. So I think that's been a big advantage to them. Uh, and we see the same thing at Pipedrive. You know, Pipedrive, when we invested, we led the Series A several years ago. At the time, the CEO was based in, uh, in Menlo Park. Uh, along with one of the other co-founders, but they were the only two employees. The rest of the employees were in were in Tallinn, um, and so we ended up opening an office in New York. But uh, but the vast majority of the employees, the company's headquarters is in Estonia. They have probably you know close to 400 employees there. Uh, they opened an office in Lisbon about a little over a year ago, and and that's now their second largest office. So you know in that case, uh, you know because it's been very marketing driven, and also I think because they're Average uh, deal size is, is is much lower than an, an enterprise business. Uh, it's made a lot more sense for them to to really you know take advantage of the um, the benefits of being in this you know low cost market where they have access to great talent that's very loyal and uh, and and very um uh, very high quality. Yeah, <clears throat> you you mentioned pipe drive there, and I think the uh, the, the two co founders, uh, if if I'm correct. Uh, was it uh, uh, Timo and uh, and Martin went to uh, uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. But both of them are now back in, in in Europe, right? I think Timo's in Estonia and Martin's at, at the Lisbon office. Uh, That's uh, right. A little bit sunnier and warmer than uh, than, than Estonia. Um, uh, and um, yep. so, so that, like, how long did they spend in the US? And then what was the, the reason as to, like, why they went back to Europe? Well, um, you know, Martin moved back shortly after... Uh, we invested, and uh, and then Timo was really the only uh, executive in California. Um, and I think it was probably about you know maybe a year you know maybe a year later that he he relocated back to Tallinn, and he now also spends his time kind of split uh, between Tallinn and uh, and Lisbon, and they also now have an office in in London. Um, but you know while he was in in Menlo Park, you know he was spending a lot of time on planes, he was spending a lot of time in Europe, and and really getting in front of uh, you know the team that was you know being built out in those locations. Uh, the only, you know, the big, the presence we have in, in the U.S. today is in New York, and that's where our CFO, uh, Dominic Buterra, is located, and we have a couple of other 
uh, uh, team members there as well. But I, I think one of the things they, they found really challenging, uh, Timo and, and, and Martin being in, in Menlo Park, was just the time difference. I mean, it, it you know, it, people often don't really think about uh, how much of a drain it is to have to deal with a you know a nine hour time difference, and uh, you know that that proved to be a you know a big a big challenge. And I think that's also one of the reasons why we're seeing more uh, European companies elect to open U.S. offices in New York if they don't have any very really specific reason to be in uh, San Francisco or the Bay Area. Whether it's for the better time difference or the more European feel, many other companies similar to Pipedrive opt for the East Coast as their US base. It's in fact why it's such a fascinating hotspot for growing SaaS, the amalgamation of different cultures and points of view. It's why we too chose New York to host our first overseas event and have built it to represent that diversity. We will hear how New Yorkers and Bostonians build, scale and exit companies and how Europeans adopt the New York state of mind. Grab your ticket now for June the 20th before we run out of them. Head over to sasslot.com forward slash on tour forward slash city New York. A lot of the companies that we mentioned have been, uh, you know, European companies from the internationalization perspective. You also mentioned Shopify, you know, based in in Canada. Uh, a lot of our audience um, listening to the podcast are U.S. companies, U.S. you know, SaaS startups. So, like, do the same sort of you know rules uh, apply? I mean, obviously, the market is bigger in the U.S. Do they, you know? Uh, when would they need to consider uh, moving, you know, from the U.S.? Do they even need to consider? I mean, some of the companies uh, we've had on this show, like Insight Squared, you know, they've just raised a Series D and are still like yeah, one of our paid. one of our portfolio companies. Yeah, okay, uh, I, 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 I didn't realize that. Uh, but you, in you fact, know. Fred, yeah, Fred, the, the CEO used to work uh, with me in this office, uh, you know, in New York before. Actually, he was in Boston, spent a lot of time in New York. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, we've, you know, he's a great guy. So, so like Insight Squared, I mean, they, they haven't yet, you know, they have customers across the world, but, you, you know, the whole team is based in Boston, or I think, you, you know, there's certainly U.S.-based and, you know, mainly focused on the U.S. market. Um, yeah. You know, what are your thoughts around that sort of model and, you know, why typically I think a lot of Series D, you know, companies, uh, I would have thought they would have had local offices, you know, across the globe, you know, at this point. Yeah, I think more of our. I am seeing a trend where more of our, uh, in particular, our enterprise uh, SaaS companies, when they get to around maybe twenty-five or thirty-five million of, uh, of ARR, are starting to think uh, more actively about expanding to Europe. Um, I was on the board of a company called FishMe, which is in uh, a security business. Uh, that's a SaaS a SaaS model, and they're uh, based in uh, based in Virginia here. Um, but uh, you know, around that scale, you know, they started to to make a bigger push into Europe and. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, it's interesting. We were talking about this yesterday in the office. You know, if you look at some of the public filings, like we were looking at the Wix public filings, um, you know, when they went public, I think, you know, maybe 50% of their business was, um, sorry, 70% of their business was the U.S. And now it's only like 50, 55%. So they're seeing more, uh, I think a lot of these companies are seeing more growth from Europe as, as internet penetration increases and the comfort with SaaS as a delivery model for the software increases. So, from what I'm seeing, you know, our, our CEOs are paying a lot more attention to Europe. And then the question becomes, uh, you know, at what scale do you look to to expand uh, in, into Europe? Um, and then, you know, do you do it by opening a, a, an office in one of these markets, or do you try to do it by partnering with a, 
with uh, a channel partner who, who might be able to you know to help you. Um, and, and generally, I think we find that when it comes to Europe, uh, they open an office in a, a city like a London or, or Berlin um, and, and establish a presence there uh, when they're again around that maybe 30 million of ARR, um, you know, give or take. And then for other non-European markets, global markets like Asia, I more frequently see them work with uh, with a channel partner or a reseller or some other sort of distributor uh, to help start to get some penetration there. Okay, yeah. So you uh, you, you mentioned Asia there. Um, when I think it like for, for U.S. companies, is it typically the playbook Europe, then Asia, then you know uh, other markets? Let's say sort of Latin America. Because like I, I went to uh, Brazil uh, last November uh, and was really, uh, I guess, pleasantly surprised about the the, the, the state of the the European yeah. ecosystem out there. It seemed, I mean, it's a huge country, right? Again, like you know, 186 million people or something like that. Uh, and uh, a lot of the SaaS companies there were doing 10 million, 12 million ARR, and you know there was no need for them, you know, uh, to to expand internationally at, at that point. So they had such a, you know a large market. Why? Why? Or have you seen any like US companies uh, or even European companies that are perhaps like you know moving to South America or considering that you know as the first port of call? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like PipeDrive has a big portion of uh, of their business comes from Brazil. Uh, you know, in, you know, not a not a majority of it, but like you know, much more than I than I kind of would have expected. And uh, and they really haven't done anything, you know, down there. I mean, they, one of the founders spent some time down there evangelizing the product, and uh, and that certainly helped. But uh, but you know, I, I'm not seeing a lot of companies, you know, look to to establish a presence in in Latin America. Um, but I, I, at the same time, when it comes again to these like more uh, marketing-driven, uh, kind of lower-priced SMB uh, products, we're seeing, a, I guess, a good amount of uh, adoption of those products in, in those markets, especially if the companies do a good job, again, of localization, and in particular, localization around payments and figuring out you know, how to reduce the friction around, uh, around payments in those markets. Um managing or, or like moving overseas right um, it's, it's going to come with uh, a, a load of challenges for uh, uh, for a company um what, what are the uh, i guess what are the key challenges um you, you know that that you've seen and how have you you know how have your companies uh, overcome those yeah i think the um the, the, the biggest challenge I think uh, you know we often see is just the communication and how do you maintain the communication as you have a greater number of offices or a more uh, distributed workforce. Um, I think a lot of the time also uh, recruiting is is a real challenge, uh, especially for our companies that are you know based in Europe have decided to remain in Europe and as they get to you know greater scale, you know fifty plus million of, of ARR, um, you know, and, and they're looking to bring on uh, really. Uh, to expand the senior exec team and try to bring on, you know, outstanding executives. Um, just the, the depth of talent, um, you know, the, in, in a lot of these markets is is not quite as it's just not as strong. It's much much smaller than what you'd find in San Francisco. I mean, I'm I'm based in New York, and you know, it, it's tough for my New York companies to find great heads of product and great, you know, great uh, you know heads of sales. Um, and you know, when you go to you go to London or you go to, you know, you think about being in, you know, Tallinn, Estonia, you know, it's, or Lisbon, it's just, um, you know, it's, it, it's very challenging to, to build teams. And so you often then have, you know, you build the teams around where the best candidates are located and they, they may be located in London, they may be located in New York, but that creates a, a more distributed uh, executive team, a more distributed uh, company overall. 
and just maintaining uh, communication and culture, I find is is really one of the biggest challenges that at least our, our my you know my CEOs will tell me you know is 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 what they're they're thinking about and focused on and trying to trying to figure out. You'll be uh, crossing the Atlantic um, in uh, October, coming back to uh, Dublin for uh, for SASDOC 18, which I, I'm super excited yeah. about. Um, Looking what, forward to it, yeah. What, what can we uh, expect to hear from you at, uh, uh, at SASDOC 18 this year? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, looking to, uh, you know, I, I really, you know, think that we're at a point where the European uh, startup scene, tech scene has really... Um, has really turned a corner. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a very exciting time. I, you know, personally, I think you know Spotify as an example was just really a watershed moment for um, you know for the European tech scene. And uh, we we did an internal uh, kind of review of this about six months ago, where we talked about uh, with our partners all of the exciting uh, both SaaS companies as well as consumer internet companies that we're seeing uh, emerge from Europe. Um, and so you know, my we've always, we've been attending a lot of these. Uh, you know, uh, events. You know, we've been traveling to Europe quite frequently. I think you know, I think SaaS Talk is 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 the best SaaS conference out there. So it's a great way for us to, you know, as, as a SaaS investor uh, who focuses primarily on the U.S. but increasingly spending time in Europe. I feel like that's going to be a great way for us to, you know, to to meet a greater number of uh, founders and and companies. Um, but I think in terms of what you know, what we're looking looking for is really just to you know, hear more about, you know, what's going on, uh, get a better sense as to, um, you know, what types of companies are being formed. Are there any patterns? Uh, you know, we've seen some patterns on the consumer side, but what kind of businesses can we expect on the enterprise side? I think historically the companies that have been successful have been more of these SMB software businesses. Um, but I think, you know, we, we, we may be at a point where, you know, we'll start to see more, uh, enterprise centric businesses um, emerge and, um, and so I think the the enterprise SaaS segment is one that I'm I'm you know, bullish on and and looking forward to you know to kind of learning more and then you know talking with more founders to understand how they're thinking about the challenges of building a business in a local you know, building a business out of Europe and then you know figuring out how to how to conquer the U.S. market. Awesome. Well, yeah, we're looking forward to having you back, and uh, it's 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 going to be a real fun week. Um, and uh, you know we're coming to the end of the show uh, now. We always ask uh, you know as a final question. Um, you know, uh, we asked how, you know, how do you stay healthy and sane? Uh, you know, uh, I guess in, in your journey, you know, 13 years of working, uh, you know, with, uh, uh Bessemer and, uh, you know, with all these portfolio companies working internationally, um, what's your way to, uh, to stay healthy and sane? Yeah, it's, I'm a, I'm big and I'm a big cyclist and, uh, I have a triathlon also as a hobby. In fact, uh, it was the, I, I got into doing these tries, um, when the CEO of one of my companies, uh, Jonathan Gale from New Voice Media, which is, uh, an enterprise cloud contact center business that's based in London. He was, uh, uh the CEO there and he, you know, he kind of challenged the board maybe like four or five years ago, um, to, to do a try with him. So we, um, we ended up doing one in uh, in the UK, and it was uh, I got the bug, and uh, you know I've been doing them ever since. And so you know I kind of owe him the credit for uh, for kind of getting me into that. But I'd say um, you know of the three, you know sports and dry, I'm, I'm, I'm most uh, into cycling. And and when the weather's a bit better than it has been in New York, I you know I usually try to get out in the early mornings for a, for a ride. Awesome. Well, Alex, uh, we come to the end of the show. You've been a, a fantastic guest. Uh, you know, great to speak to you as always. And thanks for sharing those insights in, uh, you know, globalization and internationalization of, uh, of SaaS companies. Um, and uh, yeah, can't wait for, for October and, uh, and SaaS Talk 18. Yeah, sounds great. I look forward to it. And thank you, Alex. Great to be on the show. Thanks, Alex. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and have picked up valuable lessons from Alex Ferrara about building global companies. As part of episode 100, I'll be recording a live podcast with David Cancel, CEO of Drift, during SaaStock New York on June 20th. Join us to be part of that. If you like the interviews that we're doing every week, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.